Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to On the Bright Line podcast, tales from recovering food addicts from the perspective of a physician, a therapist, and an off-the-wall storyteller. We are not affiliated or endorsed by Brightline Eating, and all content presented in this podcast represents our personal opinions and does not represent medical, nutritional, or psychological professional advice. Well, hello. We are um, obviously not all together this morning, but welcome to the next episode of On the Brightline podcast. (laughs) Uh, We wanted to come together and do an episode specifically about life getting lifey. And it is very apropos that none of us can be sitting in the same room because life is so lifey right now. (laughs) All the lifey life. That's right. All the life you life. So we have um, just come through the holiday season and, um, you know, it's, I, I would, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I'll speak for myself. Like life is good. It's not that life is necessarily bad, but that there's just a lot of things going on and we have not even had the opportunity to get together to be able to record. So um, that's why we're going to just do this. Uh, you know, we're going to do a one-off Zoom episode uh, with just the three of us. So, uh, you know, I don't know, either of you just want to chime in about, you know, what's going on in your life and um, how life's gotten lifey for you or whatever. Yeah, so I traveled right before the holidays uh, for a week. And then um, right after the holidays, um, some of my family came to stay with me for two weeks. They're actually still here. So I have little kids in the house, which is just awesome and wonderful. But, you know, just chaotic and busy. I'm still also working. And in the midst of that, my mom was hospitalized with a really serious infection and she's better now and actually just went home yesterday, which is great. But um, all that was going on. um, Plus, you know, again, working and trying to juggle uh, making making time for family that's here that I want to spend time with. And so, yeah, that that has definitely precluded us from getting together. And it's also obviously stressed my food program significantly. Travel is hard no matter what, you know, um, when you travel somewhere and you're in a strange place, um, organizing your food and staying bright is really hard. And then I think with stressors, all of us who have um, eating issues, um, or we wouldn't be here, um, you know, uh, foods that go to when you're stressed out, uh, very subconscious uh, pathway uh, that just goes straight to food uh, for our whole lives. And so very difficult to juggle, um, you know, ongoing stress, like I said, for me, and again, good stress, like Megan was saying, visiting family is wonderful. It's such a gift to be able to be with our family. Um, But it just like it, it just, you know, it challenges your, your, your normal routines and your schedule. Um, and again, just harder to organize your food when you're cooking with other people who are not on bright line eating. Um, so those are just, you know, stresses to the program, even though they're wonderful stresses to have. Um, yeah. So that's, what's been going on with me this month. Yeah. I think yeah. even when it, even when you are cooking with people who are BLE, sometimes it's hard because I realized my, my, and my family was here for a couple of weeks over the holidays as well. And my parents both do BLE, but they do things a little differently than I do. And there was a couple of times, like I felt myself like getting really worked up. Cause I'm like, well, wait, like, how am I supposed to weigh that out if it's all together? Right. And so, you know, and it's, it's just interesting because they don't have the level of susceptibility probably that I do. And so for me, I'm like, I need my components separate because that gives me peace. 
right? And I think, you know, a lot of people probably can identify that. And it's like, they don't need to do that, which is fine. I think everybody runs their program the way they run their program, right? Like, and I'm not here to dictate anybody else's program. But when someone else is like, even like in your kitchen cooking for you like that, it just makes it hard because you're like, oh, I've I've lost control. I've I've lost control. Yeah. Which Robin, I'm sure you could speak to. But that's a really good point, right? And talking, Bonnie, talking about life being lifey with even positive stress, even even happy, joyful things like having family around or having it be the holidays is stressful, right? Because it's also a change, right? That that being on the holidays, like I was on vacation, um, you know, in between Christmas and New Year's. And for me, that that is a stressor because it's a break in my routine, right? And I, I also like... Um, a, a nice little routine. I like you know same thing every time of the day. Da, da, da. Never before and in my life, but now this past year, I'm like, where's my routine? <laughs> welcome to my world. Yes. Welcome to my world. Right, but that I think that people. I have a lot of people say, but but these are good things. Why is why am I being more stressed? It's like right, but it's you know even positive stress is stress, right? Even positive change is stressful. And, you know, there's a lot of us, there's actually a gene about whether or not you like change, right? Which I, whoa, 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 whoa. There's like, it's genetically coded. It's genetically coded. And if you think about it, think about that our ancestors in the, you know, here in the United States probably had that gene, right? Because their ancestors at some point in time said, yeah, sure, let's hop on a boat to a place with no civilization. That sounds like a great idea, right? So the the majority of us probably have that gene, but there are a lot of people that absolutely do not like change. So interesting. I mean, I think in general, people don't like change, right? I mean, I think it's hard. I think change is hard. Um, Some people love it. Some people think about the people that, that kind of really enjoy being a little nomadic, right? Like that will, oh. you know, the three of them. Wait, I don't like, wait we, we moved across the country together. Wait, wait, wait. The, right. The three of us, we all said, sure, let's, let's move somewhere that we have never lived. Mm. Right. So. We, you know, we, I think the three of us tend to be a little more comfortable with change than the vast majority of people. But even, even the three of us all have difficulty with certain changes, right? That's just normal as a human being. Yeah. And Bonnie, you know, you were traveling and like you have people in your house, like how do you keep up your routine or do you keep, try and keep up your routine, um, with having all that going on. Cause I can talk about that too, but I wanted to hear your perspective. So when we traveled away, I actually, because we, uh, we were going to be in one place for the week. I actually brought my food scale. So I did keep up with that. Yeah. Um, but you know, meditation exercise, the other things that I normally do in my normal life here kind of went out the window. I mean, the schedule of, you know, being around little children, which I'm not, I'm not anymore. You know, they get up early and then they need your attention. And again, I'm there to give them attention. That's the whole reason we're getting together. And so, you know, those habits just went out the window. Um, and, you know, with added stressors of a sick parent and that type of thing, um, mm-hmm. my program, I mean, I did not cross the sugar and flour boundaries, but um, I got a little wonky on my not always weighing and measuring, um, you know, grabbing a handful of nuts, that kind of thing, which for me is a slippery slope. Um, yeah. Um, 
once we got home um, and I realized that was happening, you know, I had to kind of write down what I was going to do the next day, get back to that. Um, and then, you know, I actually, you know, old me would not have got on the scale because I was, you know, in my mind, I was convinced like, oh, I got, I got wonky. It's going to be awful. And then I got on the scale and it was fine. Like it was no change. And so that it was like, what was going on in my head was way worse than what was going on as on the scale. I actually right. had not exceeded my quantities very much, but the discomfort of being out of, out of the boundary of the weighing mm-hmm. and measuring was awful. It just yeah. felt super out of control. And so getting back in control with that has been very calming and, and necessary. Yeah. And so, yeah. Well, and I think that's really important because I think I've heard a lot of people talk about lately too, that, you know, like just, and I know I had this opinion too, when I, before I started the program, like just the restriction, like what, what people mm-hmm. view as like super restriction when it comes to this program and hearing you talk about, um, peace that it gives you to follow those boundaries and why it's not restrictive because it brings you peace. And I think that that's what a lot of people who don't, who haven't surrendered to the fact that they have a food addiction and not everybody has a food addiction. Like that's not what we're saying, but people who haven't surrendered to that fact, like don't understand that like that restriction, actually that boundary, let's call it a boundary, not a restriction actually Mm -hmm. is what's comforting. Right. Yeah, I was having a conversation with a family member who's who's been traveling with me this all through this time. And their question was like, this feels very controlling. And and since you're doing so great, like your weight's great now, like, why are you you look fine, you look healthy, like you ought to I mean, you're gonna get to a point where you stop weighing and measuring, right? Because I mean, that's really that's that seems to me watching you having, you know, not doing that in my life. And so I kind of went through the thing, like, you know, I had actually, I had reached maintenance and in the last few months I had been trying to get 10 pounds lighter because I decided, you know, not for vanity or whatever, but just like, you know, I, I feel, I would feel more comfortable. I feel like I had stopped a little soon or I, you know, I'd regained a few pounds after I landed the plane last year. And maybe I want to see if I can just get down and then stay down. And I'd actually been really hungry all the time and kind of ignoring that. Cause I just had fixated on the weight I wanted to be. And again, mm-hmm. when I went through this period of not weighing through the stressful time, I actually hadn't gained any weight and I realized I probably needed to add food. Mm. And so what I was telling this family member, as I said, you know, in reality, the weighing and the measuring isn't restrictive as long as you're, you're monitoring. Like I said, if I need more food, I need to add more food, but then I need to, then I need to weigh and measure that amount of food. Right. Whatever the amount, that's the healthy amount for me. That's the amount I need, but that having that bounded quantity does just give peace. Like, because I repeatedly weigh that amount and I repeatedly have enough and coming from a lifetime of food scarcity in my younger years, which is what led to my eating addiction in later years, that piece of knowing, like, I know that that many ounces is going to be enough. And I know I'm going to be satisfied with that amount and I know it's going to be okay. And I'm not going to need to have more, more, more. And so that's why it's, it's relieving of the food thoughts. And mm-hmm. so that, that it's not controlling, it's about giving myself that nice boundary of that nice amount. And we even talked, that kind of led to a discussion about people, should, what about people with eating disorders? That that would be really bad for them. I was like, well, we have a fifth bright line group in the bright line eating group. And actually those measured quantities mean I'm going to eat that much, you know, because those people tend mm-hmm. to, again, for the fear of gaining weight, sure. won't. And so yeah. measuring that amount and knowing that that's my, my amount that is not going to, you know, that it's going to keep me at the correct weight is good. So I think 
um, getting back, getting back to weighing and measuring, um, in a time of stress is the key for me, at least. Um, as I start to get off of that again, it's not like I, I went nuts or had any kind of things that I shouldn't be having, but it was just the food thoughts about, I want more, I need more, I need more, I need more, even when I'm full, you know, I just do that. And so the weighing is really important for that. But really interesting point that you are very strong in your program, right? You are very strong in in the why of yeah. why you do this. And for someone that was perhaps not super strong in their program, life being lifey and being around someone maybe questioning those boundaries might have been a lot more difficult to navigate. And I think that's that's a that's a lifey life factor um, for people to ponder that if they're going to be around people that may be questioning their program before they're around those people, what would each of you suggest or recommend that they think yeah, about? Yeah, and my this family member, all of my family is super supportive. And let me add right. that in. This wasn't mm-hmm. even like a, why are you doing that? It was more like, mm-hmm. I'm worried about you. Are you sure that's right okay for you? It was, it was coming from a genuine place of worry, but everybody's super supportive and hasn't questioned it. And I'm so lucky because I hear the stories from people everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. because we all have an eating disorder, guess what? We come from an extended family that also has their own yep. disorders. And so sometimes when we do this, that really makes other people uncomfortable who are not wanting to yep. do this, but maybe need to. And then they become a, a saboteur, external. We already have an internal saboteur, they right. external saboteur. So I, I don't know. I mean, I'm in a unique position that I have not have anybody trying to sabotage me, which is so wonderful. Um, but I, I, I can say that what I've heard from others is like, you've got to set up a strategy to plan ahead for that because yeah, I can't imagine being weak, having a weak moment from the stress of getting together with family and then having mm-hmm. someone actively trying to goad you into getting yeah. a plan. And I think support, I think, you know, to me, like that's, I, I will always go to that place of the place of support and leaning on the community around you. So, you know, I think bookending, bookending is a really powerful tool that I think a lot of people in the program use, um, you know, and bookending is you're going into a situation and you're saying like, I know this is going to be hard, but I'm going to put the, put it out to my community, whether that's a buddy or your mastermind group or your friend group. Whatever that is, like I know I'm going to the situation. I know it's hard. I mean, I feel like Bonnie, you even went into the holidays saying that to us, you know, yeah. saying like I know this is going to be a rough time. Like I really just want to, you know, I really just want to make sure that I stay on the straight and narrow. But um, you know, and then and then following up the bookend, obviously with the end, uh, you know. So like, let's say it's a family event you're going to, right. you know, it's um, you know, I, I did this with a buddy. I think just yesterday they were like, I'm going to go to a family holiday event. It's after the holidays, but whatever, they're having the holiday event now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like I'm going to bookend before and after. And they did. And they said on the way home, they said, you know, I was bright. I stayed bright. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a problem. I think just having that, having those guideposts around it also helped. And so when it's challenging, like, you know, maybe the thought will come to the person's head that, oh, like, I'm going to have to talk to this person after, or I'm going to have to check back mm-hmm. in. And that person's going to be accountable. But I think the other thing too that I, the other sentiment that I want to make in this situation is that we need to normalize as much as we can the thought of like, we are food addicts. Like, I think that that's something that we, 
especially with our families, right? I mean, I even find myself dancing around, like calling myself that to the people that I love and the people who like understand what this is and why I'm doing it. I still find myself dancing around that. But I think that if we can do a better job of normalizing that and just being like, this is something that I struggle with and and that I will always be this way. Like this is never going to change about me. Right. And I, you know, I, my hope is, is that I can identify as a, you know, food addict in recovery for the rest of my life and not as a food addict, but you know, that, that, that we should normalize, normalize that around ourselves and around our conversations around food. So that maybe that people don't even feel like they need to challenge, because I don't think if someone said I'm an alcoholic and I'm in recovery, if anyone right. would be like, well, are you going to not drink for the rest of your life? Because people know, and the normalization around alcoholics and recovery yeah. is we understand they cannot drink. Like, I mean, I think there is a societal knowledge that people who identify as alcoholics cannot have a drink, right? Like it's impossible. But there are also people in alcoholic families that other people in that family will challenge that. Well, Again, I, it's because of, because their, of their, right, own their own issues. Right, own right, right, right. Same thing. It's their own discomfort. Sure, yeah. sure. And I, th- and I think that's another thing to remember in those situations is when someone is challenging to you and pushing back on you, it could be about their own, you know, it not could be, it probably more than likely is about their own issues that they're having yeah. and their own discomfort around, um, you know, watching you work your program because it might be making some feelings come up inside them that they don't appreciate. Yeah. Right, right. right. I think one of the things that I would recommend are um, one of the strategies I love is talking like someone has already agreed with you, mm. right? So if someone is challenging you a little bit on on your program to to come back with, you know, um, I, I I know you want to support me in being healthy. I'm sure I'm sure you want to support me in being healthy. So I appreciate you, um, you know not pushing food on me, not doing X, Y, Z, or right, not, not crossing my, my requests in, in this way. Mm. Um, it's a really powerful tool. Um, any time you're trying to get someone to shift their behavior a little bit, right, to, to help them, help communicate to them that, that you, you, you are expecting them to um, respect you in this way. Yeah. I was, you know, I was going to say too quickly that, you know, my routine was disrupted and the joke is really because like this, this place that I'm sitting right now in my home is the only place that only belongs to me, except Mm -hmm. for when we have guests in town, (laughs) 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 because it is also our guest room. And so, you know, for me, it's like, I lose my, I lose my place in my house Mm -hmm. when we have guests here and of course like I would never be like oh we shouldn't have guests because I don't want to lose my office but um it's where I meditate you know it's where I write in my journals it's where Mm -hmm. you know it's where I do my zoom calls with my supports you know like that sort of thing and when I didn't have this it was like I felt very displaced in my own home which was a very interesting feeling and I'm sure Bonnie um, and Robin Mm -hmm. you both can understand how that feels Mm -hmm. it's like you don't want again it's like it's wonderful to have people come and stay with you and and spend time with family but just getting out of your routine and not being able to just do the things And, and again I was never before BLE I was never a routine person I wouldn't have been like 
that's not me. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, can I have my routine back, please? Can you guys go? Like, fuck it. No, I'm just kidding. I would never want anybody to leave. But yeah, um, it's just, it's, you know, you just, I had to strategize different ways um, how to keep my routines up. And I did keep my meditation practice up because that's something that like, I just don't want to lose my streak. It's a little competitive now because I have this streak going on. But, um, you know, I think that, I think that that's, I think that's important to think about beforehand. I could, I could have pre-strategized, which I didn't really do on what, how I was going to um, maintain my routines, uh, having people here, knowing that I wasn't going to have my, knowing I wasn't going to have my office. So. Yeah, that's something but I need to do. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, I think that's a really important point is to, that for some people that if their routine is really important and having those like the, the meditation time or, or time to take a walk um, is to pre-strategize that, right? That maybe yeah. that means I'm going to take a bath and do my meditation in the bath or I'm going to go for It'd be a embarrassing for me to record that, but okay. <laughs> well, okay, but you could, you, so you could let go recording it, but you could still do it, mm. right? So again, that willingness to say, okay, it's, it's, you know, um, perfect is the enemy of good. And so mm. if, if I can say, amen, <laughs> what would still be, what would still be good, right? I, you know, I always use the link, you know, something is better than nothing. Yeah. How can, how can I do something? Um, you know, maybe I can't do that exercise that I usually do, you know, my weights or my this or my that, but I could still go for a walk, even though maybe I'm only going to take a 10 minute walk with the dog. Um, and so that willingness to say, how, how will, how will I make something happen? Mm-hmm. I also right. think like in the aftermath of having, okay. I wanted to talk about that. I'm like, okay, yeah. now what, now what? Yeah. So it's like you're in the aftermath of you've had a huge stress and you got wobbly with your lines and whatever mm-hmm. happened, happened, right? How do you, how do you approach that? And I think there's two things. The first thing is you need to assess what happened and how without mm-hmm. judgment. Like, Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't, pre- I didn't do the pre-planning and, I, and exactly what you would expect happened happened because I did not plan about how I was going to maintain my habits and X, Y, Z happened. Okay. Note to self next time, you know, several days before I know what's going to, you know, that I've I'm, I know I have a company coming mm-hmm. and I know what that's going to look like. This is what I'm going to do next time to try to do a better right. job of pre-planning. And then the second piece is to not catastrophize the event. It's like we are mm-hmm. doing this program for the rest of our lives, hopefully, because the idea is we're trying to be healthy. This isn't about I, I read and I read in the in the in the community just last night somebody that's just finishing the boot camp and is like, I just want to know how many pounds is everyone else trying to lose because I'm trying to lose this many pounds. And I'm like, oh, you know, the whole thing is we're not trying to lose this many pounds. We're trying to have a healthy body for the rest of our lives. So this is a forever thing. So okay, you had an event, let's just learn from it. This isn't the end of the world. And you just get right back. You just, you just one day at a time, you decide what you're going to eat today. And then you're just going to keep going. There's no, there's no, you're a horrible person. You blew it. You know, that's the diet mentality, right? It's like, oh, I blew it. Forget it. I'm just going to eat. Yep. No, that's not what we're doing, right? We're making life changes to have healthy bodies and, and, you know, eating something that you weren't supposed to eat one day doesn't change days and days and weeks and weeks and months and months of healthy eating. And again, you know, I, you know, got quantity problems and it didn't even change my weight. It only changed what was going on in my mind because it only happened for a few days. And Mm -hmm. one pound of fat requires 3,500 calories to grow it. 
That's mm-hmm. what it requires. So, you know, fudging on your quantities for three days or something is not going to make you even gain a pound, but it is going to mess with your mind. So like right. I said, you got to yep. assess, how do I stop having that food chatter? Oh, I got to get back on my program. And then how do I do that next time better? And just take it as a learning growth opportunity. Like, oh, that was a great experiment. I, I got to find out what happens when I don't do any planning and I have mm-hmm. an, you know, a life event or a stressful life event or something that happens that pulls me out of my routine. All right, now let's really work through what I do next time. And then the next time you have company coming or you're going to travel, you know, go, okay, it didn't go great last time because I wasn't quite prepared. What can I do now? Right. 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 Well, you know, it's a muscle that we flex and that every time we do it, we, we're going to get better. Like that's kind of how I feel too. Yeah. Um, but I do want to say there, so there's life events, obviously that we can, life can get lifey and we can plan for that because we know it's going to get lifey, like the holidays and travel and all that kind of stuff. But like, what about life events? Like, I mean, like you you didn't know your mom was going to get hospitalized. You didn't know that was going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I know we've had that. We did a whole episode on um, emergency action plans, uh, but right. I don't know if there's any other discussion that we want to have about, you know, in the moment of like something, some major shift happening in your life, that's going to disrupt your regular routine. Life is going to get lifey. Other than doing your emergency action plan, which I think is a momentary thing, like how can we strategize for the future of like the unknown? <laughs> can we strategize for the future yeah. of the unknown? Sorry. I had a family member have a life-threatening illness, right? That was yeah. very emergent. And I think it, back to what you were saying, Megan, it's the reaching out for support. Because in that moment, I couldn't have planned for, we have to emergently go to the hospital. Right mm-hmm. now I'm in the hospital cafeteria. Food's not, food choices are not great. And I'm stressed. And the one thing that's going to make me feel better historically is shoving something in my mouth I'm not supposed to have. And right. so it's the reach, reaching out for support. And again, after you get through that event and whatever happens with it, good or bad, you do a post-event assessment, you know, and, and you decide, all right, this went great. And this part didn't go so great. And then next time I have an unexpected life event, how could I approach it better? Yeah. And I think grace is also something that I hear. I mean, I, I think yeah. that we need to put like, like you said, like being in the hospital cafeteria and like you may do with what you had available to you. And I know, I mean, I know, cause we've talked about it. Like, I know that you, you know, that you, you did, you stayed bright and maybe, maybe you didn't have your scale with you. So you didn't measure your food, but you did what you, you did what you did to have the piece around your food. And like, to me, like that, that is a success, I think, of, you know, our program is that we can stay in those moments um, of stress and still have peace around food, even if it doesn't look perfect. Right, Robin? Right. And that, and that I think you were talking about like self-compassion. Mm-hmm. And I think self-compassion is what helps us give ourselves some grace. And again, I think we've talked before about, but what is the wobbly line between self-compassion and making excuses for why something is okay. And I think that's where it's re- in the postmortem, right? In the in the Monday morning quarterbacking, what happened when life gets lifey is being willing to be really honest and say, was, was I being compassionate and doing the best I could? Or 
did I slip over into making excuses about why this thing was okay? Right. And, and I think the, the struggle that? is so like, we're right. all, yeah. Right. And we, and we, but we need to be willing to in that, in that Monday morning quarterbacking, to be honest and, and talk about that a little bit and be willing to examine that, not in a, not in a guilt or shame, right. Um, Dan Harris, who um, wrote the book 10% happier, talks about wise remorse, right? That I can look at an event that happened and not, right? And not make it about me and I am a bad person, but about that, that event, that lifey life event was difficult. And what happened with that? And how would I like to do? How would I like to do better? Um, I think the other component of that is, is like a little cognitive behavioral therapy of, um, you know, an event happens, I, I, I have self-talk in my head about it, and that leads me to take or not take a certain action, right? Like I could, you know, Bonnie, you very easily could have said, well, I'm here in the hospital cafeteria, and I'm really stressed, so it's okay that I'm going to eat, you know, some NMF, Right. Or I could have said, I am here, I am in the hospital, I am in the cafeteria, um, you know, life life is being lifey, but I still want to do my best to stay bright. I'm still going to make the choice to, well, I can't weigh it, I am still going to do that because eating the NMF doesn't actually change this life event thing that's happening. It does not actually change how we feel. It distracts us. It keeps us busy, right? If I eat some NMF, then I can hyper-focus on the fact that I ate NMF and I can get stuck in guilt and shame spiral as opposed to thinking about the lifey life event. Mm. (laughs) Yep. That's 100% true right there. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) So, yeah. I don't know. I miss you guys. I feel like I haven't been in the same room with you in a while. And I'm sorry that I mean, well, I, I should I need to stop apologizing. This is resolution number one for Megan for New Year 2024. <laughs> I need to stop apologizing for things that I don't need to be sorry about. But I am sad that we haven't been in the same room together. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Do we have anything else to say on the subject of life being life? I mean, there's so much to say, but I mean, is there anything else, you know, eloquent we can say at this point about life? I haven't tied it up. It's the mixture of have compassion for yourself and don't add self-judgment to the whole thing, but mm-hmm. also be honest with yourself. If you cross the line and you, your saboteur came in and convinced you to just go for it, you got to be honest with yourself about how that happened or it's just going to happen again. Yeah. And, and I because think that's happened. the deeper, that's the deeper work of being able to, to really start looking at, Oh yeah, here, this is my pattern. This is my negative cycle that I get into regarding food. Yeah. And I think that having, objective, um, kind, caring, supportive people around you is key to all this, because I think that that is the only way that when you have these events, you can come and you could talk about it like we're doing right now. Right. Mm-hmm. And get honest feedback from people and say, okay, this is how I move forward without getting into the shame, you know, shame spiral and, uh, and, and move on and, and you know, what's, what comes next. So. Uh, you know, 
life is lifey sometimes, guys, and um, we're we're here to say that it's true. And um, whether that's breaking lines or just you know falling out of routine or whatever that looks like, it's it, it can be um, it can be difficult and it can make your program difficult. So uh, we definitely understand that, and um, I think that you know self compassion and support are the the keys. So. That is our episode for today. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, as always, if you have ideas or questions, please feel free to email us at onthebrightlightpodcast@gmail.com or hit, up, hit us up on any of our social media. Have a wonderful day. 